Um, yeah, Good Friday. Uh, when I was a kid, I always wondered why we called it Good Friday. I always thought we should call it Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We should call that Good Sunday, and we should just leave Friday as it is, or call it Bad Friday, you know? Um, I watched The Passion of the Christ. My parents let me watch that when I was like 10. Crazy. Um, I read the gospel accounts. I actually couldn't read as a kid, so the gospel accounts were read to me. I can still barely read also, so bear with me. Um, no, I read these gospel accounts. I watched The Passion of the Christ. It's a gruesome, sad, and horrible day. Um, so I was always like, why is it called Good Friday? But as Jesus hung on the cross, I think we were given an inside look into the heart of God for his people. And what Jesus' death um, on the cross really means for us. So I want to get into today, I'm going to go over the last words of Jesus. Because I think the last words of Jesus, they... Um, they're profound, they're impactful, um, but I think they also move us to action. So my goal today is that we, um, yeah, we can reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross, but that we can also leave here um, healed by his wounds as healed people um, into a broken world. So um, the last words of a dying person are supposed to be the most moving. So I pulled up some famous quotes of Pete, the last words that uh, some people said. Yeah, so... We're going to put them up on the screen. Um, some people, if you're younger, you might have no idea who some of these people are. But you should know who Steve Jobs is. So apparently Steve Jobs' last words were, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. That's pretty good. Um, Bob Marley, money can't buy life. It's a little more impactful, I think. Um, Oscar Wilde, this is my favorite one. Either that wallpaper goes or I do. <laughs> and after his death, the wallpaper was actually removed. So. Um, Benjamin Franklin, a dying man can do nothing easy. Uh, and then Humphrey Bogart, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. Um, that's one I can get behind. And then Winston Churchill, I'm bored with it all. Um, so again, I don't know these people personally, and I don't know the context behind some of these words. So I read them and I was like, that doesn't sound very moving at all. But I think in stark contrast to these famous last words, the last words of Jesus reveal um, truly why we call Friday Good Friday. Um, the death of Jesus is the heart of the gospel. It's the climax of the gospel story. And Jesus' last words on the cross 
um, I think for us today are highly important and significant. And I believe his last words should move us to action. Um, so in the gospel accounts, we have seven sayings um, or sentences that Jesus speaks or prays. And I know some churches um, hold actual services called seven sayings or the last seven words services. I think it'd be cool to go to one if you ever have the chance to. I've never been to one, but you should go to one. Um, so I believe in these final sayings, we learn not only the true nature of God, but I think we are also inspired to love and live and forgive like Jesus. So we're going to be skipping around in the Gospels, but I, I trust that you guys know where the Gospels are in your Bible, um, and you can follow along with me. So we're going to start in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. In the last moments of Jesus' life, he prayed to the Father. And in fact, in these seven sayings, he actually prays three times. Um, but for me, this prayer to the Father shows us the true heart of and nature of God. In his final moments, God in his final moments on the cross is offering up and extending forgiveness to undeserving people. That's literally what the cross teaches us. God is offering up and extending forgiveness to undeserving people. Jesus is asking the Father to forgive the crowd who yelled, crucify him. He's asking the Father to forgive Pilate. He's asking the Father to forgive Caiaphas. He's asking the Father to forgive um, Herod. He's asking the Father to forgive Judas. Um, he's asking the Father to forgive the soldiers who tortured and physically crucified him. And his forgiveness even extends to us. Uh, I want to read, you can flip in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 verses six to 11. Um, and in a lot of ways, like Pastor Scott said a couple weeks ago, I really should just, after I read this, I should just end my sermon because I'm not gonna say anything better than what Paul writes in Romans. But Jesus' forgiveness extends to us and the Apostle Paul in Romans, um, he really sums up what that means and what the cross means um, and why we call it Good Friday. So Romans chapter five, verses six to 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's why it's called Good Friday. I don't know about you, but being friends with God sounds like good news. Jesus' death on the cross offers up a way for us to be made friends of God. While we were still sinners, Jesus offered up his life for us to be made friends of God. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. Um, but I, I am always, when I read this, uh, Father, forgive them. I'm always most impacted because it reminds me of earlier in the book of Luke, chapter six, I believe, where Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who abuse you. I think it's powerful because this is Jesus living out this commandment in his final moments on the cross. And I think this is a prayer and a call for us to live and forgive like Jesus. 
Um, and that'll always be challenging because we're broken people. And I don't think I can ever do it fully. I was kind of thinking about this. I don't even like forgiving people that I love. Um, for those of you who don't know, everyone in this in Bonavista knows by now, but I went to a Bible college, Peace River Bible Institute. My first year I was kicked out. My second year I dropped out. My third year I was back and um, I was doing pretty good and it was going well. And my girlfriend at the time broke up with me. Always, this is like a ongoing theme in my life. My girlfriend at the time broke up with me and me and my friend Colin, we decided, you know what? It would be a good idea if we just went out and drowned our sorrows. He didn't have any sorrows. I was the one with the sorrows. Um, but the thing about, obviously, I know, you know, drinking that much, probably not a good thing, you know? And then also, I, I realized that I signed a covenant at this Bible college where I can't have a sip of alcohol at all. Um, but I decided, no, I'm sad. Long story short, drank a little too much, woke up the next day a little late. I was a little hungover. I woke up the next day and um, I get a knock on the door, wake up, I'm like, what's going on? And it's the president of the Bible college, Waldy. Um, I love Waldy, but he, uh, he says, Eric, we need to talk. And I was like, what? I thought I was gonna be able to keep this secret till the day I die. I didn't know anyone would find out. But what happened is apparently my friend went around the entire school, and he's not even wrong for doing this. I'm technically in the wrong, but he went around the entire school, told everyone what we did the night before. Um, luckily for him, he didn't have a bad track record at the school. Nothing really happened. He was, he was probably, you know, had a stern talking to. But for me, I was, they asked me to leave for a third time. And I remember the conversation they had with me. They said, Eric, um, we just don't know if your heart's in the right place and if Bible college is really for you. And I love my friend Colin, but still to this day, um, I hold that against him because it literally altered my entire life. Uh, I'm still in school like 11 years later because of that moment. Um, and, and I like, I just like, I hope deep down that he has a bit of regret and he has a bit like, he's like, oh, I feel bad about that. I feel bad about that. I just hope he, he feels that, you know? And I think we all do that in a way when, we're, when we say we forgive people, we're like, I forgive you, but I hope you feel bad about it. <laughs> and I hope every once in a while it keeps you up at night, you know? That's our, uh, that's our forgiveness. And this is ultimately the exact opposite of what Jesus is telling us to do. Um, and it's an eye-opener to see Jesus doing this for those who hurt him the most. He was literally physically abused, mocked. And here he is on the cross praying to God, Father, forgive them. Um, no one, no matter how sinful, is beyond the grace and forgiveness of Christ. That's the cross. Um, and I think that's the most powerful thing about Good Friday, when we just come to the cross and realize what it means and what Jesus is calling us to do. Because he's ultimately calling us. He said this commandment earlier in his life when he was alive, and in his dying moments, he, he's living that commandment out we should strive to live and forgive like Jesus. I found this quote on Google. I actually don't know who he is. His name is Clyde Kalu, but I really enjoyed this quote. He, uh, he said about the forgiveness of Jesus. Although because of sin, we too were enemies of God, he never turned cold-hearted towards us. As Jesus' words here so powerfully demonstrate, 
Can we therefore do anything less than strive to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you? But, okay, that's what the cross calls us to. Um, We are called to forgive like Jesus. He told us to live like him throughout his life, and even in his dying moments, he's still calling us to action. The second thing in Luke 23, 43, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, the second saying of Jesus is one of salvation. So if you, if you don't know the story, I'm sure you do, but you can read the story. He is crucified um, alongside two criminals. One criminal is mocking him along with everyone else, scoffing with everyone else. And then the one criminal realizes and recognizes that Jesus isn't just a pretender and that he, he will reign as king. And I believe that we are offered this same salvation choice today. Jesus offers it up to all people, but will we recognize the impact it has on our life? Will we truly acknowledge Jesus as king and accept this grace, this gift of grace that is freely given? I've heard it phrased this way about the first two sayings of Jesus. The first saying is a prayer for sinners And the second is a promise for believers. Um, We can live with confidence in this promise. And that's something that we can also realize in Jesus' final moments. And number three, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. That's from John 19, verses 26 to 27. Jesus had a special relationship with John. Um, I don't actually know why. I always read the Gospels, and I'm like, why was John, like, the most loved? Why was he so loved? But needless to say, um, Jesus loved him. He was the disciple that he loved. And Jesus also loved his earthly mother. And verse 25 tells us that Mary was standing at the foot of the cross with the disciple that Jesus loved. And she would be seeing her son um, dying and hated by people. Uh, I have no idea how that would feel, but I I imagine it would have been a horrible moment. And yet here was Jesus in his intense suffering, thinking of the needs of his mother. I don't know where Jesus' brothers and rest of the family was. Maybe it was because John was right there, or maybe he trusted John. I don't know. But Jesus was still worried and thinking of the needs of his mom in his dying moments, making sure she would be cared for by John. And much of Jesus' sayings and prayers Um, His last sayings and prayers uh, highlight his relationship with the father, but here we see the relationship with his earthly mother highlighted. And Jesus deeply cared for her and loved her. And to me, this brings to mind another commandment from Jesus, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We see Jesus living this out practically in his final moments His relationship with God is the most important commitment in his life, but he does not neglect the needs of those around him. And I think what that calls us to is we cannot neglect the responsibilities we are called to in our physical relationships. In his final moments, Jesus should inspire us to live and love and care about people like him. Expositor's Bible commentary says this about this moment. Jesus' tender concern for his mother in this in the hour of his mortal agony, illustrates his true humanity and compassion. We are called to live and illustrate the same humanity 
and compassion to those around us. Um, number four comes from Matthew 27, verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Um, Jesus is directly quoting Psalm 22, one here. And in taking on the sins of the world, Jesus is conscious of um, being separated from God the Father. And that for somebody that truly knew the intimacy of living um, in right relationship with God, in complete intimacy with God, that must have felt like agony. And I believe the later statements of Jesus show us that God did not abandon him forever. But for this moment in time, Jesus felt the aloneness that comes from being cut off from God. And this is probably the part that I struggle with the most because I was, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was like, how is that even possible? I listened to a lot of sermons. I read some pastor's thoughts. I read a lot of commentaries. And honestly, um, no one is quite certain how theologically this is possible. But at this moment in time, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I find comfort in knowing that Jesus understands my human pain when I feel alone or apart from God. And I think he can give us understanding and faith in those times of our life, because we'll all be in times like that. And Jesus understands that, and he can give us understanding and faith to come out of those um, dark places in our life. John 19, 28. I am thirsty, or if you have a more literal translation, I thirst. At this moment, Jesus knew that all things were accomplished and his work was complete. Scripture was fulfilled. And I think it's important to note that Jesus isn't just saying these things on the cross to fulfill Scripture. Um, they're recorded and they're said for a reason, and they're still impactful and profound for us today. And this statement shows us his physical suffering and his humanity, but I think it also reminds us of the spiritual side to thirst. Because what did he say to the Samaritan woman at the well? Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And from the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's be reminded today to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And probably the most famous words, I, uh, I always make Instagram posts for our youth page on this, uh, on this wording from John 19.30, it is finished. And what beautiful words. With these words, we see the healing of creation. We are made friends of God. His compassion, love, and grace are gifted to us. And in these words, we are revealed the true nature and love for God for us for his creation and for a broken world. Jesus' death on the cross makes us friends of God and he offers that up to all people. And that's why we call Good Friday, Good Friday. Luke 23, 46, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. In Jesus' last breath, we see words of complete faith. Um, in Jesus' entire life, he was fully committed to the Father. And in his dying moments, it would be no different. He fully submitted to God's will. And like Jesus, I think even in this saying, can we put ourselves in God's hands? Can we submit to God the Father? And can we trust God every day of our life? 
Why am I saying all of this? Because um, I like hearing my own voice. But as we ponder the suffering of our Savior, not only can we give thanks for his steadfast love, forgiveness, and grace, Jesus laid down his life for us. And this is such a cliche, like Christian saying, I heard it growing up and I would always cringe, but I'm going to say it today. Jesus laid down his life for us. The least we can do is live for him. Um, and we're never going to do that perfectly. We are still in this broken world, but Jesus laid down his life for us to be made friends of God. The least we can do is strive to live like him. And as we go from this place today, my hope and prayer for you um, and for our churches is that we are inspired, moved, and encouraged to live, forgive, and love like Jesus. There's a hugely broken world outside our doors, maybe even inside our doors, and the power of forgiveness, grace, and love has the power to heal. By his wounds, we are healed. And I think we could do amazing things in the world if we leave these doors as healed people. And I pray that we believe that today, and I pray that we practically live that out today. By his wounds, we are healed. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, um, as we come to the cross and we ponder what Jesus went through on this Friday, Lord, I, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your sacrifice so that we could be made friends. And Lord, we honor and love you. Um, Lord, we understand your love for us. And we understand that by his wounds, by his sacrifice, we are healed. And Lord, I pray that we would truly live as healed people um, today. And Lord, I pray that as we leave these doors, that we would understand your love for us and your love for your creation in a broken world. And I pray that we could bring healing um, to places that need it. Amen.